Welcome to Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. This week, we're speaking with Jessica Webb, one of Casasa's executive strategists. Jessica works closely with community financial institutions to better understand their current market position and where they'd like to grow. She has some great insights into why now is the time for community banks and credit unions to embrace innovation, regain their competitive edge, and take back banking from everyone who is trying to eat their lunch. What is a misconception that you're hearing from community banks and credit unions about um, like some of the threats that are facing them right now? Um, so when I talk to community banks and credit unions, there are a couple of different things I think that create a sense of stasis or uh, fear of movement or or even complacency whenever they're talking about their strategy. And those are all a little bit different, so I'll unpack them individually. Um, the fear of movement is that they don't know what they don't know, and they they recognize that at least. And so they, they want to make a move. They want to move into this brave new world that we're in. Uh, they recognize that the world is changing around them, you can't get away from the fact that millennials and Gen Z have an incredible amount of buying power at this point. And millennials are no longer the 17, 16 year olds that people think of in their heads. Millennials are 30 years old with kids or, you know, first time home buyers, and they're really out there in the marketplace in a way that financial institutions feel the need to respond to. Um, and so I think that a lot of times it's that I, the idea of not knowing how to reach out to a millennial in a way that's positive and proactive and bring them into the institution that stops them from moving forward. Uh, the idea is if in their minds is that if you're not moving forward, at least you're, you're just staying where you are and where they are. They've been careful, comfortable for the last 20, 30 years. Um, the reality is the world is moving around you. And so you're not staying still. If you're not moving and you're not growing and you're not incrementally bringing in the younger generations into your institution, um, the natural cycle of life says that you're going to be losing people from your institution. And so it's a problem. Um, so I do see people think that they can stay where they are and, they're, and they can be comfortable. Uh, from the, the idea that somebody thinks that, you know, they're going to be okay doing this in a different way or that they don't really uh, need to change. Um, again, the same idea is a little bit the same is that, you know, you need to change. They don't, they don't think they do. They don't think that the world is actually possible for any of them anymore. I see a lot of people that I talk to that say, well, there's just no way we can compete with the mega banks. Hmm. Um, they, they, they think that, uh, the younger generation is gone forever, uh, that they don't think that there's a way that they can do that. They, they're so used to their revenue stream being fees or things like that, that the idea of switching to a revenue stream that's very positive from the consumer perspective is, is foreign to them. It becomes very exciting when they hear about how Casasa works and they're actually able to take those accounts and do something both positive in their community and for, um, for their institution as a whole. But I hear a lot of people say that their competitor is really the guy down the street, the other community bank. And in reality, I tell them, you know, community banks are currently 20% of the market share approximately, but that's not how it always was. And it doesn't have to be how it is tomorrow. We, we want to help you change that pie. We want you to get more of the pie, not fight over the same pie. We want to make sure that those consumers are getting what they want, which is that local perspective and that personal touch. I usually make a joke uh, because it's true. Um, It's very true. Uh, I am a millennial. I'm an elder millennial, but I am a millennial. And I cannot tell you the last time I thought, man, I just really want what's off the rack. 
I really want what's exactly what everybody else has. Please don't ask me any personal questions and respond to me in a personal way. Definitely just go send me to a website and make me figure it out myself. Yeah. Um, millennials are digital natives, absolutely, but they are not uh, just, you know, Android humans. <laughs> like we, we are still people with the idea that we would love to be able to tell you what we need and help you get, have you give us advice. It's that's what you're going to get from a local, a local bank. It's what you're going to get from a local restaurant. I mean, okay. when's the last time most people, you know, went to a chain restaurant? We just, we want to see that it's a locally grown lettuce on the menu. We want that community. We want the idea that while the world is big and I may have friends in my phone from around the globe, that I also can go talk to somebody right next door and it's a part of my local real life experience. And I, I try to impress that upon the community institutions that I talk to. It's a it's very long answer. Um, no, I think it's a great answer. And it's kind of, I, I, that's a similar one, but I heard from Patrick and there's a weird paradox kind of in there where it sounds like institutions are pretty good at identifying what an immediate threat is or an immediate change in the market. So millennials, you know, they want more digital tools. Um, or maybe they notice like rate change. They're good at seeing that's a threat. What they're not so good at necessarily is figuring out what the right course of action is. And so what is intriguing to me is that um, the, the absolute worst case scenario is inaction. And that was kind of hinted at when you said, um, how can we compete with the mega banks? There's nothing we can do. And that's sort of what inaction guarantees. So I'm curious if you could talk to like, why is if inaction is the, the most threatening thing, um, first of all, do they see it that way? Um, and if so, why, why not take action? Why is that less scary than trying something new? Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's because people inherently have a fear of change. Uh, not every, every person, obviously, somebody picked up and moved across an ocean at one point. But by and large, people stay where they are. Mm. Um, and so the idea that you to embrace this brave new world and not just let it trickle down and, and hit you slowly uh, is is scary to people. I think that's where Casasa can come in and partner with them. You know, it's not as scary if you talk to somebody that's done it before. Um, you know, if somebody's jumped off that cliff and they know that it's you're going to land safely, it's nice to talk to them. It's even better if you can jump with somebody who's done it a dozen, a hundred times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the whole point of skydiving in tandem, right? Um, and that's what we try to be is the tandem part of the skydiving. But uh, I think the idea that it's, it's okay to not changes because banking was like that for so long. And if you think about it, so much of banking stays that way. Um, other than the Casasa loan, uh, loans have stayed the same for the last 30 years. The only thing that was really revolutionary during that time was the home equity loan. I mean, that blew everybody out of the water in the 90s. Um, and that seems recent to a lot of bankers. It seems familiar. They've been in this industry for decades. So I think the idea that they're going to have to be the first one at their institution or the first one of the institutions that they know uh, that they interact with, that they work with to go and do a new thing is really scary. Yeah. But that's where I think our value comes in is we can set them up with conferences with other people. We can invite them to the Austin office and let them network. We can, we can literally just talk them through it. Our strategy team holds our hand the whole way, but it's a scary place out there. If you've never done this before, um, it could be that way. That makes sense. Um, so you mentioned millennials already. Uh, what are some of the other threats or changes in the market that you think are uh, posing a threat to community banks and credit unions? So one of the things I think is actually really interesting is that Gen Z and millennials both respond very, very strongly to two things. One is brand recognition. Uh, they respond very, very strongly to brands that they identify with. It, it almost is a part of your 
your persona, especially in the online space, your brands are who you are. Right. Do you use this lip kit? Do you go to this vacation spot? Is Are you always posed with Starbucks? Whatever it is, those brands resonate very strongly with, with us, millennials and Gen Z even, even more. So I think the idea that it's hard to get a brand out there and cut through the clutter is something that is a real issue for community financial institutions. Um, if you don't have any name recognition or you don't have name recognition with that group, group of people, it can be really, really hard. So the other thing that I think um, is underestimated by the, the community financial institution space is how socially networked these two generations that they're talking about are. Um, I, I read a statistic the other day, and I will absolutely not be able to remember where I read it, but uh, Gen Z seeks out five to seven user recommendations before they buy anything. That sounds like a lot until you realize that Facebook created a seeking recommendations feature for your status. You can actually just go in and it'll alert people that you're looking for something different than just a like on your post, that you're actually seeking a recommendation. When you think about the fact that Amazon literally, you can just scroll to the bottom of the page and read hundreds of reviews. You can see in real time how much people just like you are liking this thing. Well, if you're not engaging with those consumers where they are, which is the phone in their pocket, if you're not reaching out to them and having them become your brand advocates, you're missing out on very, very important, albeit organic mm -hmm. market brand recognition and, and all of that that is really how the world is kind of built now. That's an interesting idea. And it seems like those two kind of really support each other. Um, the fact that they're socially networked then puts more, I guess, power and credibility into the brands. Um, you know, even in your example, as you mentioned, um, kind of this younger generation building a personal brand. And part of that personal brand is what, you know, um, more traditional brands are being highlighted. So they're always posing with a Starbucks and uh, or maybe they're posing with like really expensive clothing. That's all creating an image or a persona that they want to represent online. Um, and that, you know, your business brand plays kind of a key role into that. Do you, is that kind of congruent with what you've seen in your research and, and sort of what you're seeing out there in the field? It is, it is. And I find that the institutions that are able to cut through that clutter in one way or another are able to leverage their marketing dollars more effectively. I see even before they partner with Casasa, they're seeing uh, more success. They do tend to move more quickly whenever we, we discuss with them because they understand the power of the brand and the power of being able to get out in that digital space. Um, the world isn't just about billboards, you know, uh, the world is about influencers now. And so you've got to find them where they are. You know, you mentioned earlier that you want to go to a restaurant that is very personalized. You want to see the locally grown lettuce on the menu. Um, have you seen examples of institutions that are taking that preference in millennials and Gen Z to do business locally, to find local things, um, and really successfully bake that into their brand, kind of like make that synonymous with their brand? I have. Um, I have seen a couple that I've worked with in the last year that have been able to basically spend almost nothing on um, cold marketing is what I'll call it. Uh, they're able to go out and work with community groups. They're able to, and, and not just Little League baseball teams while they're great, uh, but they're able to actually go out and find people in those groups. Um, some of the more traditional ones, chambers of commerce and things like that, and some less traditional ones like um, 
interest organizations around like women in business and things like that uh, to find a way to kind of align their brand with, hey, you're here, we're here. Uh, this is who we are. Um, almost every community bank or credit union has, you know, we take care of our, our people. We're here in the community on the side of the wall, but you're going to have to put it somewhere other than the wall. You have to actually uh-huh. go do the thing. Um, that's what I, I've only seen two that I thought were are doing an exceptional job of it in the last year and a half. Um, but I, I, I really do hope I see more because I think that's how they're going to be successful. Yeah. yeah I mean, you guys have been having a great conversation. I've been really quiet in the background. <laughs> But uh, I I think that makes total sense. I think one of the factors that I see is just that as as we move away from using cash, right, digital payment tools, digital banking, all of that, cash is less and less visible than it ever was. So like the the structure of banking and the importance of banking gets even more of a backseat. Like it's not a visible thing. It's hard to put handles on like what it means to have your money in a bank or move it or be earning interest or any of that stuff. And so like, if you're not actually touching those dollars and handing them over to a teller, like the bank has to have visibility in a different way uh, in order to get your attention than other than just being a safe place to keep your money. Like that's not sufficient anymore because it doesn't feel differentiated from like having it in your PayPal account. I, I think you're really right. And um, this is something I talk about all the time is, you know, people used to think that their ATM was a really great way to tell the community they were there. Um, I, I see people who are really, I, I do see occasionally people who are still really excited that they just installed a new ATM. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm super respectful of their excitement, but I also know that for me and most people I know, I want the idea that I can get my money for free because I don't want to pay for my own money. Like you said, it, it's hard to, banking is a little bit different. Now, I don't see that as a service or a value add. I just see it as the way it should be. It's my money. I should be able to have it. Um, but I also really, really hate running errands. I don't want to go find an ATM. Um, so while I want the option, if I'm ever at you know, New York or Disney World or at a rodeo and you know there's a little pop-up ATM, I want to be able to get my money. But the odds of me actually going out and looking for it, that sounds awful. I don't want to run another errand. I have my groceries delivered. Please don't make me go find money. Um, I'll just go and I'll, I'll Venmo, I'll PayPal, I'll, I'll, you know, folded money is foreign to me, but if I'm going to do it, it's going to be a target when I just went through the dollar bin and bought a lot of stuff I didn't need. Um, but that, yeah, I think you're right. This, the way I even think about money is weird. I don't, I don't think about going to a bank. I think that's a like a really solid point, um, and I think it, it was something else we talked about before, which is this idea that you know if you're looking if you're an institution, you're looking at your community and you're looking at maybe the features there. Um, I could understand why you would get excited about a new ATM opening because maybe there's not a whole lot of ATMs, so you see, you know, you might have traditionally measured yourself about who has the most in the area and use that as a kind of proxy for who has the most convenient service. Uh, more ATMs equals more convenience. Great. We are more convenient to do business with. I can understand that reasoning, um, but so much has changed since then that it actually makes seeking an ATM, as you were mentioning, an inconvenience uh, because there's so many other ways to do business. And those things are harder to see uh, if you just like look at the community because they're digital. They're in the cloud. They're online. They're wherever. Um, and so you can't really measure them in the same way. Do you think that's part of the issue or um, do you have any thoughts around that? 
I think that the idea of service is different now. Um, where traditionally service was, to your point, visibility of an ATM, and then maybe 30 years ago, that was a really, really important thing. Service to me now means something completely different. It means, do you have a, can you meet me where I am, which is the phone in my pocket? Do you have a great digital experience? Do you have a great mobile experience? Do you have a great online experience? If I call because I'm desperate and I need to talk to a human, does a human answer the phone? Or do you, or have you decided that, you know, that's where you're going to put all your technology is making me go through 14 robots um, before I can actually just get a person about something that's really important to me. I'm having an issue. Service to me is about advice at this point. It's about being able to go and find an expert and sit down with them. So I think that to your point, that could be a little bit of a difference in perspective is if I can walk into, this is going to sound strange, but you know, think about Starbucks. If I don't know what I want, they'll they'll help me figure it out. I like this. I like that. If I walk into a craft brewery or a craft cocktail bar, I tell them I like these flavors. They make me something perfect for me. Um, if I walk into Sephora, I walk in and they, they are there ready to help me and have that experience. So service to me isn't just availability. It's about the interaction and the quality of it once I get there, which is traditionally where community financial institutions really, really shine. It's just about getting that out there. The idea that you don't have to sacrifice and you're not going to get a terrible cocktail just because it's got the right lemon flavor in it. It's going to be a really great cocktail um, and made just for me. So if we can just get that word out there, I think that's the biggest issue. I've been tossing around this idea, but and I, so I'm going to kind of put it out there for us to discuss a little bit. Um, I had a grandmother had this saying, which was anything worth doing is worth doing poorly, which on the face sounds like a crazy statement. It's the opposite of what most people say, which is anything worth doing is worth doing well. But her point was actually very like prescient and agile, like do something, at least like start. You don't have to, because if you set yourself up to do it perfectly, and that's the only thing that's good enough, you'll probably not get there, right? And I, I think about that statement, and I think about my own experience with some of my like community financial institution, like the, one of the community financial institutions that I use um, and their mobile experience, which is not great. Uh, I'll, I'll be kind. It's just not great. And I think I get, it frustrates me. But at the same time, uh, there's a little bit of me that admires that they said, well, like we have to do this. And so let's start here. You know, and I, my hope is just that there's someone make, in the decision making chain who's saying like it has to get better. Like mm -hmm. just because we have this pseudo mobile deposit tool, like that's not where we're going to stop. We're going to keep making it better. And that I, you know, will, only time will tell. But I, I wonder if that's a, a trap that FIs get caught in is like, well, we can't compete with these. We can't make something as good as these other big institutions. So like, why should we even try? I have heard that. Um, I also think that sometimes it's the perspective of, and I, I absolutely, as a former finance person myself, respect this. Um, it's going to cost me a lot to do something that I don't know will drive value for me. And I don't know it because I can't see it because the, the customers or the members that I have today obviously aren't requiring it of me. Um, and that plays back into the idea of, are you meeting people where they are? And are you recognizing that you've got two generations with incredible buying power that are going to require that? 
you're right. The people you have in your door and on your books right now aren't requiring that of you. Um, but somebody else is going to. I actually love your grandmother saying, and I, I tell myself that every day about exercise, that as long as, you know, 10 minutes is better than no minutes. Um, but the, it can be a substantial investment for them in a way that feels like it's only going to solve a part of their issue, um, which is is impactful, I think, and, and can kind of cloud the idea that they need to keep moving forward. I think the other issue is that, um, like you said about the institution near you, it's not a great experience right now, but change is so hard uh, that a lot of times they don't end up moving forward again. That's where they stop. Um, and that becomes a problem because you're, you're perpetually behind the curve when it comes to uh, the ability to really reach those consumers and give them what they're expecting. Um, you, you're going to have to find somebody who can help you partner in a very positive way. You know, we've talked a lot about the threats out there, and this can feel very like doom and gloom. Um, and I think you've pointed out one advantage that community banks and credit unions have, which is um, they're actually local institutions, and there is a major drive within the younger generations to find something local and to do business locally. Um, are there any other kind of underrated opportunities that you see out there um, that you wish people would be paying more attention to or, you know, kind of rallying their business around? Absolutely. Um, and I think it is that that, that brand, the idea that um, consumers resonate with, with certain words and that's a good thing and it's also a bad thing. Um, but I think that the bad thing for someone else could be a really, really good thing for uh, community banks. And that is all it takes is a few advocates speaking loudly about the negatives of mega banks and people do start to look around for something better. The key is to be there loudly when they're looking. Um, so I think uh -huh. that they're not necessarily understanding on either end of that and the fullest experience that you could understand how much that social media bullhorn matters. You know, if you can keep a, a filter out there or keep an eye on what's happening in your community and when somebody says, oh, I hate XYZ Bank, they just did X, you know, ABC to me, step in and say, hey, we would never do that to you. We would really uh -huh. like to help, you know, do that personal outreach on that social media space, recognize the bullhorn that people have and be ready with your own to respond. Because that's one person's comment, but 50, 100, 1500 more, depending on how many friends they have, will see that response. And you've just magnified your reach by doing one kind thing and doing the right thing in your community by 1500. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, I definitely, being in social media, I definitely think that's a massive opportunity. Um, so I'm glad to hear that that is something you're seeing out there too. Um, so it's definitely reassuring. That wraps up this episode of Thinking Outside the Vault. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this episode or topics you'd like us to tackle in future episodes, please email us at social at casasa.com.